Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke, and today we are in chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, where we're going to see another instance of Jesus demonstrating his authority and his calm in the face of what uh, appears to be great danger. So we are in chapter 8, verses 26 through 39, where we read this. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, What is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the deep, the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. So Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, No, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town, proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a very strange scene, especially to our, our modern sensibilities. Um, but the, the thing I really want to focus in, and we've talked about this passage in, in Matthew and Mark before. Uh, what I really want to focus in here is uh, one particular thing that comes at the end. Uh, there's multiple reasons why this man would want to go with Jesus, want to travel with Jesus. You can just imagine just out of sheer gratitude, you know, like just to, to have lived this tortured life, to be ostracized and, and bound and shackled and living in the world. And it's just the pain that you would be going through and isolation you would experience, the loneliness and 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 all of the suffering. And, and here's this person that has freed you. You would imagine, of course, you want to be with this person. And but a second thing, and, and I'm just, you know, being imaginative here. I don't, it's not in the text anywhere, but I, I'm imagining that it might have been difficult for him to want to return to his family and his old life. You know, I think about how hard it is sometimes for for criminals who are returning from prison, um, or I think about people who were, who have been uh, addicted or, you know, have, you know, wrestled with addictions of various kinds, especially substance abuse, and and then tried to return to their families. And 
uh, re return to their old communities, and it can be really, really difficult. Uh, sometimes there's, you know, the residual shame and, and the guilt and, and all the memories. Uh, it can be hard for people to even want to trust you uh, where trust has been broken before. Um, people may want you to pay them back for what you've done. There's all kinds of negative repercussions that, that you may have to confront in returning to that community. It can be so appealing to just want to start fresh somewhere new where the only story people know about you is the story that you are going to tell them rather than the story they're going to hear from everyone else. But despite all these things, Jesus chooses to send this man home and we're left to wonder why. Um, you know, being a, a disciple of Jesus, I think, can mean very different things, very different callings for different people. It can mean different mission fields. And I think in this particular context, I think the mission to the to the Gentiles was something that was going to come later. Um, it was going to come like we talked about in the book of Acts. There, there's an unfolding of that mission. Uh, and so it's kind of uh, jumping the gun at this point. And so rather than bringing him on as a disciple, Jesus tells him, to go home, go home to his his family, and tell them everything that that God has done for you. I, I I think about that like he's one of the first missionaries right here. He's going back to his family to tell them everything that God has done for him. But Luke slips in an extra kind of nuance, a detail here that I think is uh, definitely intentional and it, it's really subtle. But he goes, he says, go. Jesus says, go and tell your family, go and tell everyone what God has done for you. And the very next sentence says, so he he went and told them everything that Jesus had done for him. And so there's this equivalence between God and Jesus that is not in any individual in the text, but the way Luke lays it out together, it's kind of a foreshadowing of the, the true and real identity of who Jesus is, that um, that. It's another, I think, hidden truth. Like we talked about yesterday, there's things that are hidden that need to be brought to light and and, and shine on the world. And, and it's going to cause us to see everything in a different way. I think this is one of those truths, perhaps the truth that is going to be brought into the light, that this Jesus, the son of man, is actually God, the son. And that makes all the difference. So anyway, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage. Well, you've done a good job walking us through it. The uh, I, you know, the thing that sticks out to me here as I'm reading about this man is how much he, he sounds exactly like some of the, the homeless people that I've, I've seen, uh, you know, in the, in the city or in all kinds of different places, um, who we would today say have mental illnesses. And you and I have already talked in the past about how th this line dividing mental illness and demon possession seems a little bit hard to define. And I, I, a lot of folks say, oh, well, demon possession was just the, the name for mental illness back in those primitive days when we didn't understand as much science as we do now. But I would contend we still don't understand a ton about mental illness. Uh, we, you know, we, we have ability to describe it better. There are certain things that we can prescribe that will limit the symptoms. Uh, but there's just a lot about mental illness that still eludes, you know, all scientists, even, you know, after studying it for, for a century uh, with all of our modern techniques. And so um, part of me wonders if mental illness is the name that we give to demon possession in an age that mis or does not understand the spiritual world as well. Right. There's not for nothing, but, you know, psychiatrists, right. There's the, there are actually people who study the soul, you know, that's, they're supposed to be doctors of the soul, suke, 
Uh, and so the, um, I, I do think that the sense that what was this guy healed of a mental illness or was he healed of a demon or a thousand of them? And I say, yes. Yep. One of those, both of those, maybe those are kind of like a Venn diagram that overlap a lot. I'm not sure. Um, I think the pigs point to the demon possession part, but yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and the pigs are actually another interesting piece, right? You're right about the demon possession. Because you know the Jewish people, this for context, you don't understand the, the, the significance of pigs. Jews could never keep pigs. So it was only, of course, in a Gentile area where they could keep pigs. And so that was actually one of the distinctives of being in a Gentile area is that you would have pigs. And in fact, pigs were, were a, an important part of the whole commercial enterprise and their diet and all that kind of stuff, which would never have been true in any of the Jewish areas. So that's a distinctive mark of Gentile culture. And so what happens is the demons go into the pigs and then the pigs are destroyed. And, and I wonder what does that say about this Gentile culture, right? That there's some parts of it that in fact are dark and demonic and need to die. And, and so then this whole piece, again, that the surprising reaction, right? You've got this person who's clearly been a problem right? They, they tried to restrain him, but they couldn't. Uh, and so, you know, everybody's afraid of him. And yet then when Jesus heals him, right, it says that uh, they saw the man who'd been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus's feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. Here again, making that link, mental illness, demon possession, sort of similar. Uh, and they were all so comforted that Jesus had taken care of it. No, that's not what it says says, and they were all terrified. They were all afraid. You kind of think, what? what? Why would they be afraid? You think now, finally, the thing that made them fear is gone. But in fact, Jesus's power to do things they didn't understand, that's the thing that makes them afraid. And I would say that in our age, it's that same thing that makes people afraid and very uncomfortable with with, with faith when it's real, right? Rote religion, people aren't going to bother with. That's fine. You do that. That's cute. But when, when you actually have genuine faith in a living God, that's going to make other people, outsiders to that world, very uncomfortable. Because you're speaking at a power that they don't understand and that they can't control. And, and then in fact, right, the, instead of saying... Jesus, thanks so much. Hey, we've got other sick people. Could you, could you help? Could you help them too? This could be great. No, in fact, what they do is they're so afraid of what they cannot understand and a power that they cannot control that then they beg Jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of fear swept over them. And I, I think that same thing is going to be true as Christians. You know, I, I want, just as a human, I want to be liked. You know, I'm a social person, and I think all of us want to be liked at some level. Some of us maybe are more desperate for it than others, and uh, some of us are more willing to acknowledge it than others, but all of us want to be liked to some degree, or, or you're some kind of crazy sociopath. And so th 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 there's nothing wrong with wanting to be liked. But if they didn't like Jesus then they're not going to like you if you're like Jesus. So in fact, Jesus says, you know, woe to you if all men speak well of you, right? If everybody only has great things to say about you, 
woe to you. That that's a problem because there's there's probably a way you're not enough like Jesus. Because Jesus experienced a power or, or demonstrated a power that was beyond anything they could understand. And even though it was a power for good, they couldn't understand it and it made them afraid and they wanted it to be gone. And if we are living powerful lives, right? And I'm not saying powerful like I'm the CEO of some big corporation or a politician. I mean real power, spiritual power, power over sin, power over myself, power over fear, right? Power over all of these kind of forces of darkness. When we're experiencing that kind of power, it's going to make other people uncomfortable and they're not going to want to be with us anymore. And, and so I think that so many often as Christians, we try to present ourselves as tame and acceptable, like inoffensive. And I think, well, okay, you can either be tame and inoffensive or you can be like Jesus, but you cannot be both. And we're going to have to own that we're going to have to make a choice whether we're going to be acceptable to the people or whether we're actually going to be imitators of Jesus. Yeah, and I, in addition to that, I think there's a, a cost to us when we invite the power of God into our lives. There's Jesus is going to talk about this later with the cost of discipleship. But for here, for this community, to have a herd of pigs thrown into the sea, that that was a real cost to them. And I imagine they were like, you know what? <laughs> no more healings. We can't afford it. Like we just we don't want to see the changes that are gonna that God is gonna bring because there's some things we don't want to give up. We're we're afraid of where God might actually lead us. And, and I know that can actually be a, a great fear that I mean I've talked about before just like have, having that moment at Houghton College Chapel where I put about to put my hand on the door and suddenly being overcome with this fear of what what God might do with my life if I really give God control. Yeah. Amen. Well, John, would you want to pray for us today? I would love to. Oh, our good and gracious God, we thank you that Jesus has real power and authority. And Lord, we confess that we are often afraid. Uh, we are afraid of what this might do to us, what it might, where it might lead us, the things that it might cost us. Lord, help overcome our fear. Give us faith uh, so that we can be like just like this man, we can go home to our families, we can go to our friends, we can go to our communities, and we can tell them all that Jesus has done for us, all that God has done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, thank you for joining us again this week. This Sunday, I get to preach on one of the next passages coming up here in Luke. And wow, it was a lot of fun for me to be uh, reading about, and I look forward to sharing with you on Sunday. And then on Monday, we're going to pick right back up here as we continue to learn from God through the Gospel of Luke. We hope you join us.